Today's scripture is from the book of Habakkuk. I'd like you to go ahead and to open your scriptures to Habakkuk 1. Starting with verse 1. This passage of scripture has been very dear to me, especially in the last several months. In many different ways, and I hope to be able to share some of those with you this morning in a way that will be helpful and in a way that will, be, that will give God glory. I come to this passage with a bit of trepidation because it's a very unique passage in Scripture and in some ways difficult to understand, but in other ways, very, God gives a very clear message. Habakkuk 1, starting with verse 1. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I cry for help? Must I call for help? But you do not listen or cry out to you violence, but you do not save. I'm going to read that again, and I want you to focus on what Habakkuk is saying. Since the Sense the anguish, maybe the anger, the disappointment, the frustration that Habakkuk is expressing in, this, in these verses. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen or cry out to you violence, but you do not save. It's a striking passage, isn't it? You know, it's unique in that Habakkuk openly questions the wisdom and maybe even the goodness of God. We don't see that often in Scripture. Habakkuk is expressing the frustration that we feel as we see all of the injustice, as we see all of the suffering and all of the pain around us in the world. When God seems to be indifferent or inactive, or unwilling to do anything about it? Do you sense Habakkuk's visceral anguish? His relationship with God in speaking this way to his heavenly Father. Why do you make me look at injustice, he says in verse 3. Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife. And conflict abounds. Are there, is, has this changed since Habakkuk has written? Has, has the world changed? Has it become a better place? Is it less violent? Is there less conflict? Is there less, mis, is there less misunderstanding or wrongdoing? It was ten years ago this month, in September of 2004, that Chechen, I told you about the Chechens, Chechen separatists seized a school in southern Russia in the town of Beslan, demanding independence from Russia and demanding that Russia pull its troops out of Chechnya where there was a war going on with the Chechens and the Russians, very similar to what is going on in Ukraine right now. These Chechen separatists took over an elementary school in Beslan, taking 1,100 hostages including 777 elementary school children. 
On the third day of the standoff, when nothing had changed, when nothing was moving, Russian security forces stormed the school in Beslan. At least 334 of the hostages were killed, including 186 children. Where was God? What about all the school shootings in America? What about Connecticut? Colorado? I looked this up on Wikipedia. There have been 48 school shootings in the United States, including here in Minnesota, since the year 2000. 48. This is not a new phenomenon either. It's gone back through recorded history of America, where there have been school shootings and violence taking place in our schools going back over the past over 200 years. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Just four months ago, 220 girls were kidnapped by a fundamentalist Islamic group in Nigeria called Boko Haram, related to what is going on in Iraq, the Islamic State. Since then, hundreds more, including boys and men, have been abducted. Many of the girls are believed to have been sold as war brides for as little as $10. Men and boys have been forced into slavery as in military service with this radical group. None of the girls or boys have returned so far. Last month, the world was horrified as Islamic State, or ISIS, took over large parts of the northern part of Iraq and Syria, reportedly forcing Christian and other non-Muslim minorities to either convert to Islam, pay a tax, or be executed. According to the UN, at least 1.5 million have had to leave their homes because of Islamic State or ISIS. How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Yesterday, British aid worker David Haynes, a 44-year-old father of two children, was cruelly beheaded by Islamic militants with ISIS or Islamic State. Just days after two American journalists, James Foley and Stephen Sotloff, were also cruelly beheaded earlier this month. And Habakkuk speaks out, Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Nothing has changed since the days of Habakkuk until this very day as strife and conflict and violence abounds in our world. We are now learning that thousands of non-Muslim women have been abducted by Islamic State, held by British female jihadis, and raped or used as sexual slaves by the Islamic State military. Why do you make me look at injustice, O oh God? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. These are just a few of the examples of, of violence in our world. We don't have to look even beyond our local scene with 
uh, with Ray Rice, with Adrian Peterson, with all of the things that are going on. Oh God, what is happening in our world? In fact, it seems a lot easier to find bad examples than good examples of what's going on in the world, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem that conflict indeed abounds? There is strife. Violence and destruction are ever before our eyes. Now, we know that so much evil is caused because men have free will and women have free will to do whatever they want, no matter the consequences for other people. Of course, there's suffering due to natural disasters through floods, tornadoes, earthquakes, storms. But right here we're talking about evil that's brought about by human free will and human choice. And we cry out because of the injustice of it all. Innocent people suffering at the hands of men who have decided to do whatever they want regardless of the consequences. Needless pain and suffering being brought on people because of the cruelty and the evil in the hearts of men. Habakkuk continues, Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. So little has changed from Habakkuk's time until today. Now it's likely that Habakkuk was writing during the time of Jehoiakim who was Uh, who was reigning over Judah as the Babylonians were beginning to close in. And eventually his 18-year-old son, after taking the throne, was forced to surrender to to the Babylonian army that took over Jerusalem. This army, which was amazing, wreaked havoc all over the Middle East. Similarly today, ISIS or Islamic State and other groups like Boko Haram are wreaking havoc in the world, causing people to flee, to run away, to leave their homes, to be murdered, to be taken as slaves by this well-armed, well-organized Islamic State. Not a lot different from what Habakkuk saw in his day. So how does the Lord answer? What is his response as he looks at all of this and he hears the words of the prophet Habakkuk? Is he angry that a mere man speaks to him in such words I love the way God responds. I love that he doesn't rebuke Habakkuk, but answers him patiently and matter-of-factly. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. You would not believe it, even if you were told. Last October when I was here, I shared with you some of what God is doing in the Muslim world. And I shared with you that a study has been done by David Garrison, who is a missiologist, a PhD from the University of Chicago. In all of recorded history since the rise of Islam with Muhammad in the year 600, no significant movements of Muslims to Christ took place until the 1800s. 11, 1,200 years of basically no Muslims coming to Jesus, no significant numbers of them. In the 1800s, we saw two significant moves of God from, for the Islamic communities. Two in the 1800s. In the 1900s, Garrison records 11 that took place. 
We were privileged to be part of one of those in Kazakhstan where we saw thousands of people come to faith from the Islamic faith to Jesus. So far, okay, we went from two in the 1800s, 11 in the 1900s. So far, in the first 12 years of this century, we have seen 69 movements. God is moving. God is working. God has not forgotten Muslims. God loves Muslims. Be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. But what is he? What is it that he's doing these days? In verse 6 he says, I'm raising up the Babylonians, a ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings on their own. Do you catch what God is saying in this verse? He's not only saying that he's using the Babylonians, that, that there's something happening that he can use for his purposes. He's actually saying that he has raised up the Babylonians, as judgment upon the sins of Judah. This is breathtaking. This is amazing. So we ask, could God be raising up the Islamic State for his purposes, just as he did with the Babylonians? Now, I would not presume to understand what God is doing or what he is trying to accomplish, whether he's using this to punish sinful practices as he used the Babylonians to punish Judah under Jehoiakim. I don't know, but I know at the very least that God has a plan to use what is going on right now for his purposes. The rise of fundamentalism in the Islamic world is something that God is going to redeem, that he is going to use. You know, it's interesting that the places where we have seen some of the most extreme forms of Islam are the places where the church is now growing the fastest. If you look at Iran, which I just talked about with our pastor Babek up there, talking about what God is doing in Iran. Remember, it wasn't that long ago, after the 79 revolution, the Ayatollah Khomeini, the most radical form of Islamic state in the world. What happened? People saw what Islam really was. They saw that it had not created a utopia that they had been promised. They became disillusioned. And now we, say, we see hundreds of thousands turning to, to Jesus because of their disillusionment. God used what was intended for evil for his good purposes. You know, not only does God see what's going on as Habakkuk is calling out and crying out to God, God, don't you see what's going on? There's so much injustice. There's so much suffering. There's so much evil. Don't you see it? God responds in verse 7. He says, they are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law unto themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an evil, swooping to devour. They all come intent in violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at the fortified cities. By building earthen ramps, they capture them. Then they sweep past the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. 
Not only does God see what is going on in his response to the prophet Habakkuk, he goes further. He says, Habakkuk, you don't know the half of it. You don't understand exactly everything that's going on. You see a little bit. I see everything. And he goes into great detail describing the atrocities, the power, the might of the Babylonian army brought to bring judgment on sinful Judah. You know, God is not shielded or isolated from the evil that he sees in this world. He's not far away, as many Muslims believe, that he is so far away, he's too, too great and glorious to even involve himself in the affairs of human life. God is intimately aware and intimately involved in what is going on in the world today. He is more aware of what is going on than you and I as disgusted and frustrated as we are by what we see around us, God's God's heart breaks even more. And he wants Habakkuk to know, and so he lays it out for him. He says, Habakkuk, you see a little bit, but I see everything. Let me show you just a little bit more of the picture. Let me bring you in on a little bit more, one more piece of this puzzle that you don't understand. God brings Habakkuk into his confidence and says, Habakkuk, I want you to know. I want you to know how my heart breaks for the violence and the the chaos and the suffering that I see. He wanted him to know something no human could possibly know apart from the revelation of God. Does your heart break like Habakkuk's when you see suffering around you, even here in Kokato? in the state of Minnesota, in the U.S., in other parts of the world, does your heart break? God's does. His heart breaks. He sees more than you do. When you see suffering, he sees way more. You see a little, he sees everything. You know, as one of the reasons that, that I've been living in this passage of Scripture for the last several months is even more a personal reason for me I hope I can get through this. Just a few months ago, we received a seven-page letter from our son, Stefan, who's 26. He told us that he had been searching for God all of his life. He'd been raised on the mission field. He had gone to Christian schools all his life. He had gone on several mission trips to China, to Africa, to various places around the world. Had been deeply involved in church. In fact, had found the church that we attend now. Was on the worship team for years. Was at every meeting. Whenever the doors were open, he was in the church. He had read the Bible cover to cover many times. He had read the best books that there are on apologetics. He had read Piper. He had read C.S. Lewis. He had read Tim Keller and Lee Strobel and Josh McDowell and countless other authors on apologetics. And yet he had not found God. He said he finally went to the park for three hours and he said, God, if you're there, show yourself to me, reveal yourself to me. God was silent 
And so he left saying, I don't believe in God anymore. I'm tired of seeking him. He's not there. He hasn't come through for me. And he called me and told me this. And then he sent me this letter. And I wept as I read it. God, where were you? My son's been seeking you for 26 years. Where are you? Proverbs 8:17 Those who seek me will find me. God, he's been seeking you. Where have you been? Psalm 9:10 You have never forsaken those who seek you. My son has been seeking you, God. Where are you? Psalm 119 Blessed are those who seek him with all their heart. Isaiah even says in chapter 65 of his of his book, that God reveals himself even to those who don't seek him. God, how could you not find my son who has been seeking you for his life? Why, God? Just as Habakkuk cried out to God, where are you, God? This was my son's prayer. How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you don't listen. Where are you? And yet I believe God is there. As I cried out to God and even was angry at God, where were you? In a soft voice, in a small voice, he said to me, I am pursuing your son and he will find me. But my timing is different than yours. Your perspective is different from mine. And I have good things in store for him. You know, it brought me to this question of our children. You know, we pray for our children, we raise them up, we do everything we can to bring them into a knowledge of the relationship with, with God. And yet we see our children walk away, don't we, sometimes? Sometimes we see our children drift away and maybe almost unknowingly lose their relationship with God. Other times we see them turn away and just make a decision to walk away from God. But God is still there. And God is big enough to, to take our cries of anguish and even anger as we ask him, where is he? Where is he in the injustice? Where is he with our children when they walk away from their faith and decide to go in a different direction? He's still there. I wonder if any of you have felt this way with your kids. I wonder if there's any of you that, that have children that have, have walked away or, or, or drifted away from their faith just as, as our son has. And, and I, I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to pray for all of us that, that God will continue to show and lead and direct us because I trust him. I trust him with my son. I trust him with my daughter who's in Egypt right now and who is sharing her faith with Muslim women there. And my youngest daughter who's in college, I trust him with her life and with my own. If you, 
if you have sensed God stirring something in you, if, if you have a child that you are concerned about, if you have a child that you are praying for and have wept and cried out to God for, would you just, would you just stand up? Would, would any of you that, that have had a concern for a child, someone that, that you wept and cried out to God for, would you stand And, and for those of you that, that don't, if you're, if you're standing next to someone who's standing, would you just put a hand on them and, and, just, and just support them as we pray together for our children that God would strengthen them, that God would give them his comfort, his blessings, his peace. Just, let's just gather around and support and bless those who are, who are hurting right now and who, who need God's comfort and God's presence in their lives. God, thank you that as we cry out, you are there. That even when we don't think you're there, as we cry out in anger and anguish, Lord, that you are patiently listening, that you have not abandoned us, You have not forsaken us. And Lord, each person that has stood today, and myself included, is in pain and suffers because of their children and the ways that they have decided to go. Some of them, Lord, are seeking after you and have not found you. Others have drifted. Others have have made a decision to walk away. Lord, I pray now for your comfort for each of these parents who are standing. Lord, they are like Habakkuk, crying out, God, where are you? And Lord, you do not turn them away. You do not reject them for this prayer and for this crying out in anguish. Lord, you welcome them into your arms. You are embracing them. You are telling them that you are at work. You do not sleep. You do not rest. You are pursuing these children. And you will bring them back. Lord, wherever each of these kids are right now, wherever they are in the world, whatever they are doing right now, Lord, would you just touch them? And would you pursue them? Would you, would you draw them to yourself? And do not let them go. We stand against the devices of the evil one who would seek to kill and destroy. But Lord, we know that the intentions of the evil one are used for your good purposes and you turn evil into good and you will turn evil into good in the lives of our children and those who have turned away from you. And we claim that promise, all the promises of Scripture that we all know, that as a child is trained up, that he will not depart from it, that those who seek you will find you, that you will pursue those who are far from you. 
Lord, thank you for this church and the ways that they have ministered to me and blessed me. And I feel so much more blessed than any blessing that I could give to this church. So, Lord, I thank you for that. And, Lord, now I ask that you will bless the members of this church, especially those who are hurting right now, especially those who who have seen their children walk away, who are far from you, and yet you are not far from them. We commit each of these parents and ourselves to praying for our children that your name may be glorified and that we will be together one day in eternity praising and worshiping you for the good things that you've done, for the ways you've turned evil into good and the ways that you have drawn our children back into your arms and into your kingdom. Lord, we commit ourselves to you and to this purpose, to our children, to our community, to those around us who are still lost. And we bless you and thank you that we are your children and you have blessed us beyond anything we can imagine or ask. And for that we can only be grateful and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Todd, I began to write words down that I thought were descriptive of servants as you were speaking. Initially, the servants in the places where you've been serving. And then eventually, the servants right here. It's tough to take 